right, everyone. Welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is a podcast where I answer questions from my filmmaking community and just talk about filmmaking and YouTube. My name is Nigel Bajos, and today we are doing another Q&A episode. This is your first time here. I ask questions on Patreon and my YouTube community page, ask for questions, and then I try to answer them to the best of my abilities, and Patreon questions always come first. So, I actually kind of dropped the ball on doing one of these in October. Just a little news about me. I turned 33 in October, so that's kind of cool. And I just had a lot of stuff going on, so I wasn't able to get a Q&A podcast out. So I do apologize for that, but we're back at it again here in November, and we're just going to get straight into it. I am doing a video version of this on Patreon, and just a shameless plug, if you would like to support this podcast, support my YouTube channel, you can join me on Patreon. Patreon's been opening up some cool new features where I can like just chat with all of you, which is kind of cool. And I also try to post videos there as often as I can and just, you know, try to post as much extra content as I can on Patreon. So if you're interested, it's going to be in the show notes below. Okay, so we don't have a whole bunch of questions from Patreon or YouTube this month, but we do have some pretty good questions. So it's not always about the quantity of questions, but sometimes just the quality of questions that come in. So this month we got some pretty good ones. All right, the first question is from Ivan Martinek. Ivan always ask questions on the Patreon post, which I'm really stoked on. Thank you, Ivan. And Ivan asks, they say getting a better camera won't make you a better filmmaker, but still, has having the S5 2X taught you anything? Yeah, it actually has taught me something and it might not be what you expect. The S5 2X has actually taught me that it's a lot more fun trying to get good images out of subpar cameras than it is trying to get good images out of good cameras. Like getting a good image out of a good camera is honestly really easy. Like there's not a lot of friction in getting a good looking image with my S5 2X. You know, getting a good image with my GH3, that actually took like time and effort. And it actually took, you know, knowledge of how light works and, you know, what the capabilities of my camera were. So yeah, that's one thing I would say is that like, it's made me more confident shooting with the S5 2X because I know that like I can get good images. It's not just some novelty that I was only able to achieve with, you know, subpar cameras. I knew that before, you know, I've had higher end cameras in the past, but honestly making, you know, trying to make good images out of not so good cameras is a little bit more fulfilling and rewarding and creatively challenging. I was having a, a chat with my buddy about this, but it's just like, Sometimes I need to be challenged a little bit and the S5 2X doesn't really challenge me in the same way that the GH3 does. So that's something that I think that shooting with a nicer camera has taught me. So Ivan has another question and Ivan asks, just wanted to say that your latest YouTube video on the TT Artisan Lens Trio, you really got the best I've ever seen out of the GH3. Any plans to make a video on how you color graded the GH3 footage to make it look that epic? Probably not any videos for my main YouTube channel. I will definitely post a video on how I color grade my GH3 footage on Patreon pretty soon. So if you're interested in seeing how I color grade my GH3 stuff or just really, I mean, my color grading workflow is pretty much the same for every camera, but there are some tips and tricks that I do with the GH3 specifically to get the best image out of it. But this is also a shameless plug. If you are not on Patreon, then I actually released a PDF guide on my website that you can buy that's all about the GH3. So you can learn about the GH3 in the same way that I've 
like learned the GH3 over the past 10 years of using it. If you're on Patreon, you don't have to buy that because I have a video version that kind of goes through everything that I talk about in the PDF guide. So shameless plug, if you're listening to this, you don't want to join me on Patreon, but you just want the PDF guide on the GH3, that's available on my website. All right, and the last question on Patreon is from Sun Valley Drive Music, AKA Jeff. And Jeff asks, you mentioned you moved into a new place this year. How long did it take you to determine the location inside your house and dial in the lighting setup? Any tips for setting it up in a way that gets you close to good on the first try? Yeah, so I was going between two places. The the house that we moved into is actually like a fairly decent size. So I have a garage that has a room in it that I was almost thinking about using as my office slash studio space. But then I came up here to the attic and this actually was gonna work out better in the long run, mostly because it was just a bigger room. So I could get a little bit more depth in a lot of my shots, which was the biggest thing that I really wanted because being in that really small apartment in Texas, it's really hard to create depth there. So that's why I chose the attic as my studio. And it's really nice too, because I can just close the door You know, my wife doesn't have to like turn the TV off or whatever, whenever I'm recording, which is a nice benefit of having a larger space to live in. The one thing that I don't like about this office up here in my attic is that the ceiling is slanted. So it's a little bit harder to like hang lights and put up light stands and stuff like that and light stuff. And it's a lot harder to motivate my light because there's only two windows up here. So A lot of the times I'm just having to do unmotivated light, which I don't really like, but it works. And I definitely like it a lot better than being in a really small one bedroom apartment like I was in Texas. So the thing, if you're moving into a new place and you're trying to figure out where you should film your YouTube videos, I would just look for, you always wanna like figure out what you can light from because it's always important to light from stuff that you can't control. Like if you're in a room with no windows then it's not really that big of a deal, but If you're gonna be picking a room, try to pick a room that has a window that maybe you can light from and shoot into the L of the room. That's another big thing that I couldn't necessarily do as well in this office was shoot into the L of the room because that helps, you know, establish depth. Yeah, so look for a place where you can shoot into the L of the room. Maybe you can motivate your key light from a window. Those are things that are gonna make your lighting setups a lot easier and they're just gonna make it look a lot more cinematic because it won't look super lit or sourcey. That's one thing I'm trying to like figure out how to do up here in this the studio space is make my my A-roll shots look a lot less sourcey, which is kind of why I have like tube lights like mounted to my ceiling pointed up. And so what that is kind of doing is the tube lights are creating an overall ambience in my room so that it doesn't look like some dark dungeon. It looks like there's a lot of ambient light coming in here and that's kind of motivating my key light. So it's not perfect but that's kind of how I've mitigated the need for big windows or big sources that I can light from. Yeah, the first couple of weeks that I moved into this house, I painted the entire studio middle gray, which is what I've done in other studios in the past. The reason I do that is because when I'm setting up my editing station, it's good to have middle gray behind your color grading monitor because that's gonna help you like perceive colors better. And then I also have obviously a bias light, which is gonna help me, you know, perceive contrast. So that's just more of like a, a practical thing. If I could do it all over again, maybe I would paint it like, you know, paint some of the walls different colors or make different like sections of my office. But I don't know, middle gray looks pretty good. I'll try to link to a video from a, another 
filmmaker who kind of figured out the recipe for the middle gray paint. You can buy it for like 60 or 70 bucks a can from B&H if you want to paint your, your office middle gray. But this other filmmaker named Chris Francis, he actually figured out the formula that you can use. I think he figured it out from somebody else, but he figured out a formula you can use. Just take it to Home Depot, buy a $20 thing of paint, you know, give them the formula and they'll mix it for you and it'll be perfectly middle gray. Maybe not like the same quality of paint as you get on B&H, but it'll get you there. So I did my entire office with one can of paint. So 20 bucks, not that bad of a deal. All right. And that is all of the questions from Patreon. Big thanks to Ivan and Jeff from Sun Valley Drive Music. Now I'm going to go to the YouTube community page. Are you tired of having the same generic music that every other YouTuber has? Well, you've got to check out Musicbed. Unlike other music licensing sites, Musicbed has actual artists like Josh Garrels, Ben Rector, Chapters, and so much more. I've been an ambassador for Musicbed since 2019, and I can't recommend it enough. So use the link in the show notes to get started with a Musicbed subscription today. So the first question is, I like your car. What is it? I want to buy one. Now, I can't tell if this person asking is talking about my Ford Transit Connect cargo van that I tricked out into a camper van which is a really cool car and I wish I still had it, but I actually got into a car accident when I was in Texas earlier this year and I totaled it. So now I drive a 2008 Honda Element, which funny enough, I know at least three people that you know do video as a profession and they all own a Honda Element, which I just think is funny because now I'm in that crew as well. Yeah, I like the Honda. Hondas are pretty reliable and, you know, it's better on gas than my Ford Transit was. And uh, yeah, it's a cool car too. It's not as cool as my Ford Transit Connect just because I can't sleep in it as easily. But I'm thinking about tricking it out, trying to like, you know, put a bed in the back just so that, you know, me and my wife can go on some weekend excursions and not have to sleep in a tent and just sleep in the back of the element. All right, so next question is, considering that these cameras are similar in price range, what would you recommend for a beginner? The Olympus EM1 Mark II, the Sony ZV-E10, the Canon R50, or the Fuji X-S10? Okay, those are a lot of pretty good options. Let's just rule out a couple of them. I probably wouldn't get the Fuji X-S10, uh, mostly because I'm pretty sure that one doesn't have very good autofocus and I'm pretty sure it doesn't have 10 bit or even log. I think that's only in the S20. Not 100% sure on that. I don't know Fuji cameras like the back of my hand, but I'd probably rule out the XS10. The ZV-E1 is a good option if you want, you know, a Sony camera. It doesn't have an optical viewfinder, so that's kind of a bummer. The Canon R50, I'm pretty sure does shoot in 10-bit, but you can only shoot 10-bit in like the HDR mode or something like that. The R50, I feel like, is a pretty good option for a beginner. The Olympus E1R2, honestly, is a very good option, and there are even times where I really, really miss that camera. But overall, if it was me and I was a beginner, I had no clue about cameras, I'd probably go with the Canon R50 because it's the, it's the RF version of the M50. It's basically like, you know, you can do 4K, it's got good autofocus, it's a good place to start. And I feel like there is an upgrade path from there. Like you can go from the R50 maybe to the the R6, the Canon cinema cameras, and it has an optical viewfinder, which is nice. And then my second choice would be the Sony ZV-E10. I know a buddy of mine, he has that, he vlogs with it, it's great, uh, has great autofocus, and just doesn't have an optical viewfinder. So if you don't care about the optical viewfinder, I feel like the upgrade path is almost better in the Sony camp because 
you can upgrade to like an FX30 or something like that in the future. And you can use the same lenses that you used on your ZVE10. So yeah, those are the two options. If you want something that's good for both photo and video, maybe the Canon R50 for just video focused, maybe go with the ZVE10. I would probably skip the Olympus, even though I love it. And I'd probably skip the Fuji, even though I'm sure it's great for a lot of other people. I would just skip the Fuji. All right, next question is, I have the Lumix S5 Mark II. I got it for a steal. Sadly, I'm on a budget and I can't afford full frame glass. Are there any APS-C lenses you would recommend for L mount and does the image quality change? Um, I don't think that the image quality changes for APS-C mode. Like, I don't think that you're gonna get as good a low light and obviously the bokeh is gonna be a little bit different with APS-C. Uh, that being said, this lens that I have right here is the Sigma 28 to 70 and it's such a small little lens. I got this for 500 bucks used on eBay. So this is a really good deal. Now, if 500 bucks is still a little bit spendy, you could go for the kit lens, the 20 to 60. I think this is a great lens to start out with. It's a very sharp lens at 20 millimeters, it's f3.5, which, you know, you hear that if you're used to shooting crop sensors, it's like, oh, 3.5 isn't fast enough. 3.5 on full frame is, definitely fast enough. And that's a great vlogging lens because 20 millimeters is pretty wide, but I've been loving the 28 to 70 just because of how small it is and how light it is. The 28 to 70, and I'm probably eventually gonna get the 16 to 28. Those are two of the contemporary lenses in Sigma's lineup that I just think breathe new life into full frame cameras for me because I like keeping my kit small. I know there's a bunch of filmmakers that just like to like rig the crap out of their cameras and just try to look as you know cool as possible. I don't care about that. If I'm not able to bring my camera up a mountain easily, then I don't want it. Like I don't want to have a lens that weighs more than a puppy or something like that. 28 to 70 is perfect for me. I love the 28 millimeter like field of view. So yeah, Sigma 28 to 70 or the Panasonic 20 to 60, great lenses. If you're trying to go even cheaper, then I would say get an adapter and go the vintage lens route. So you can get a bunch of Canon FD lenses, a really cheap adapter, and you can probably get your own little kit set up for under 300 bucks, like a 50, a 28, maybe like a, a telephoto zoom lens. You can easily get three lenses and an adapter for under 300 bucks. If you are really dead set on getting APS-C lenses, I guess you could go with the Prime Trio lenses, but honestly, like, at that point, those are still expensive. Like those are still probably like three or 400 bucks each. So if you're gonna get like those APS-C lenses, why not just save up and get the 28 to 70? 20 to 70 is a great lens. Do I wish that I had the extra four millimeters on the 24 to 70? Not for the weight that the 24 to 70 would cost me. That lens is way heavier than this 28 to 70. So those are my suggestions as far as full frame lenses. So have you been wanting to get that film look without spending hours in the color grading tab? Film Convert Nitrate is the easiest way to add film stocks and grain to your digital footage. With support for almost every camera on the market today and with most non-linear editing programs, Film Convert Nitrate makes it easy to color grade your videos like a pro. I've been an ambassador for Film Convert for a while now and I use Film Convert Nitrate on almost every single video that I make. So check out the link in the show notes for 10% off your purchase of Film Convert Nitrate or Sydney Match. The last question on the YouTube community page is, is it too late to start filmmaking? Cause AI can do everything. I am not a native English speaker. So hopefully you understand what I'm talking about. It sounds like they're worried that AI is gonna take over the filmmaking profession. 
and I personally don't ever see that happening. Like AI is cool as like a tool, just like cameras are cool as a tool, but like cameras are never going to take over filmmaking. Like cameras in and of themselves are just objects. It takes a human being to use the object and create something with it. Like AI can create some pretty cool things and I've used it a couple of applications, but I don't know. I'm not really that scared of AI like taking over the filmmaking industry or the YouTube industry for that matter. I mean, sure, you can probably see some YouTube channels that are completely run by AI. All this stuff is AI generated, whatever. But when it comes to like actual human being channels, I don't see AI taking over. Uh, Casey Neistat did a pretty good video on he let like AI write the script to one of his videos and he just kind of did everything that the AI wrote. It turned out horrible. Like it was the suckiest video that he ever made. That's just my perspective. Like it's not going to be able to actually be like innovative and, you know, creative on its own. It takes, you know, people behind the scenes to, to actually be able to do that. So no, I don't think AI is going to take over as far as is it too late to start learning filmmaking? Absolutely not. I know people that, you know, just started learning a couple years ago and now they're like really good, you know, better than me. Uh, so it's not too late. Like anyone can learn how to do this from a technical aspect where people really start to excel in filmmaking is when they look past the technical and try to be creative with what they're making. So I feel like a lot of people in the filmmaking industry are really hung up on the gear aspect of it. And that's, slowing them down so much when it comes to actually like progressing as a filmmaker because gear in and of itself doesn't do anything for you having great gear and not knowing how to use it is pointless and that's like one of the main goals on my channel is just showing people that like i can use a gh3 or like any cheap small camera and the camera isn't what's going to be creating the good images it's me setting up the lights diffusing them, setting up negative fill, doing all of this stuff, knowing where to put the light, knowing what time of day to shoot in. It's all that type of stuff that's going to create the good image. It's not the camera itself. You can make a really good camera look horrible by not knowing what you're doing. And on the opposite end of that, you can make a really bad camera look good if you know what you're doing. So yeah, that's what I would say. It's not too late to learn filmmaking, but this is kind of ironic coming from me who always likes to talk about gear. Don't get hung up on the gear too much. Anyways, those are all the questions that we had for this month's episode. Hope you enjoyed this. Hope you got something out of it. Again, if you would like to check out my Patreon, the link is going to be in the show notes below. Big thanks to all my Patreon supporters. Anyways, thanks again, and I'll talk to you later.